Super Talk Mississippi media production. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk joining you on a Tuesday morning. Glad to be with you here at supertalk.fm or wherever it is you get podcasts from. We appreciate all of our great listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. I want to thank our sponsors at Strange Brew Coffeehouse and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. This weekend when you're in Starkville for postseason baseball, make sure that uh, a trip to Strange Brew is on the list for you, especially with MSU having that early game, 2 p.m., a mid-afternoon pickup to, before you get into Duty Noble Field. That sounds like a great idea to me. And, of course, afterwards, plenty of time to stop by and grab yourself a victory-related treat from Churn and Spoon. i got a Churn and Spoon gift card right here. i got a i got to take that home and, and take this, take the kids out sometime this weekend or this week. They have some great ice cream. Oh, it's the best. It's now, the best. I told you yesterday that I wasn't a big coffee guy, mm-hmm. but but I will eat ice cream. And, and I, you should. And, and, there, and there's some treats at uh, Strange Brew that I feel like we don't talk about enough. Like the baked goods? Yes. Yes, they're fantastic. I mean, if you don't like coffee, that's fine, but they have other things I there. have been to Strange Brew many times, gotten my wife a coffee, and gotten myself a delicious baked treat. Yeah. I mean, Why not? The, the, Shane is not someone that's just going to be a one-stop one, one one shop. No. I mean, he's going to make sure that he's got you covered. You're so. right about that. Uh, our good friends over at College Corner, i got to put this giveaway together. Let me, let, me, let me put that on my list of things to do for tomorrow. we got plenty of time to get that together. I've got a $50 gift card going to somebody uh, from College Corner. And, of course, Father's Day, guys, it's coming up on us ever so quick. Make sure you've let somebody know you want some new MSU merchandise and you want to get it from College Corner. Two locations to serve you in Jackson. They're originally by Fleet Feet. They're in Floyd by the Half Shell. You can always shop online at collegecornerstore.com. Humble Taco, Starkville's newest and best Mexican restaurant. Mexican fare with Mississippi roots. Your favorite Southern classics turned into those Mexican uh, dishes that you know so well. Such good stuff. And, of course, when you're looking to have a good time, there may be no better place in Starkville than Humble Taco. Margaritas on tap. Great local beers. A great wine list. A huge patio. The weather should be fine and dandy this weekend. So come on up to Starkville for baseball. Make sure that Humble Taco is one of the stops you make while you are here. Well, you know, maybe we weren't. Maybe we were silly to be worried after all, because Mississippi State not only is a national seed, but they are comfortably in as the seven seed. Some surprises in the field in terms of seeding. Maybe Mississippi State at seven uh, being one of them, but the Bulldogs will host regional and super regional play as long as they keep winning. The Starkville Regional, as it sits, VCU, Campbell. The Fighting Camels, and Samford, who is a familiar foe to Mississippi State, even so much as this season. Robbie, obviously, there's a lot of talk around the, a lot of uh, a lot of salt being poured out by a lot of people. Uh, but this this regional, from an RPI perspective, I think is the number two overall regional uh, in terms of toughness. However, you want to rate that. There's not a lot of brand name recognition in this regional, but these are three good baseball teams coming to start. Yeah, I mean the the novice baseball fan is is not going to look at this and be you know shivering, and to be honest with you, I mean I feel like it's still a really manageable regional for right. Mississippi State, and probably one of the more manageable regionals for a host team in the entire field, if we're being honest, because I just feel like you're going up against three really good teams, but Mississippi State has the superior talent. You have the superior atmosphere these this is a regional that you should win so uh, i go into this regional i know a lot of people 
like to say, well, you you can't look overlook anybody and right. all this stuff, and that that's that is in, in, incredibly true. But if you think what you think about this Mississippi State team, that this is a team that can compete for a national championship, and that and your expectations are that they should go to Omaha, this is a regional that you should roll through. Mm-hmm. You you absolutely should because you see SEC baseball every single weekend, three times a weekend. Um, and quite frankly, none of these teams are top tier SEC teams, no. and, or or even you know middle of the pack. So, this is a regional that Mississippi State should win. I'm just gonna be honest with you. It reminds me a lot of the 2013 regional, in that yeah. not a lot of brand name recognition. I think that year it was Central Arkansas, uh, South Alabama, and Mercer were the team. So you come in, you're like, gosh, you know, there's nobody from a Power Five. State ended up having to play an extra game in that. They lost Game Five to Central Arkansas and had to come back in Game 6 in an do-or-die situation and get the win. I don't know that that'll be the case this year. Well, but, and the thing about that is I remember that being one of the toughest regionals yeah. because South Alabama was really good that yeah. year. Central Arkansas had beaten Mississippi State in a series mm-hmm. in non-conference play. It was State's only non-conference losses, I think, at that point. Mm-hmm. Jacob Lindgren, I think, got hurt that weekend. Right, and right. State lost that. So that was a series that State lost. There was a lot of people that were nervous about that. Yeah. Because Central Arkansas was a very dangerous team. South Alabama was the four. And they gave State a, a little bit of a scare, I think, mm-hmm. as well. So, or Central Arkansas was four. Central Arkansas remember. was the four. Okay. And they made it to the, the championship uh, Sunday. So so Ben Brace will pitch that last game yeah. and won the ball games. They had to win that do or die to get to a super regional. Yeah. So this this regional is more manageable than that. And then you start talking about the the draw and super regional play. Mm-hmm. I mean, Mississippi State has to be sitting there thinking, okay, we've got a gift wrapped opportunity to get our season back on track. And I'm not saying it's off the rails, but do you have a lot of people doubting you at this point? You have now been given a golden opportunity to go take it. Yeah. The the path to Omaha is definitely set for Mississippi State. Notre Dame, sort of a surprise to some at that 10 seed. I think there was a lot of talk that they were going to be a national seed. And then when I saw them out, I thought, okay, for sure, they, they've got to be the 9 seed. But no, that goes to Stanford. So the Bulldogs are matched up with, with Notre Dame. Uh, obviously, if you're an MSU fan, that takes you back to 2000. Uh, Kevin Donovan, Ty, Ty Martin's walk-off home run. Um but like you said, Robbie, the, the the path to Omaha seems set for Mississippi State. Now, at least to what's going to be the, to me the biggest question, and I asked Chris Lamonis this question. He would not. He didn't give me an answer, uh, but I didn't expect him to. But what is the pitching plan going to be? I am of the mind that you don't pitch your ace against a four seed. I'm of the mind that if you can't beat that team with your three starter or four starter, you weren't winning the regional anyway. So you got to set yourself up for the best possible chance, and the best possible chance is to have McLeod on Saturday in a winner's bracket game and then Bednar ready to close it out on Sunday. So with that being said, Robbie, if, if you had to put on the, uh, the – the, if you had to set the lineup, how are you looking at this? Do you agree with me? And if so, who would you want to look at as a potential game one starter? I would have agreed with you had it been Southern that was coming to Starville I, okay. and not Sanford. Okay. I, I totally agree with that. Because – Southern, um, you know, with all due respect to them, they have a losing record on the season. They got hot at the perfect time, won the conference tournament. That's a team that that I think Mississippi State could handle with a midweek starter. Um, in this particular game against Sanford, 
they're swinging hot bats. They just won their conference tournament as well. They're playing really good baseball, and I think they should have, you know, maybe one or two solid starters enough that they could probably stay in a ball game a little bit. You can't afford to come out there, I don't think, and lose that lose that game. Yeah. I, I don't I don't think. And let's be honest. I mean, is there anybody that you feel great about right now as a starter? You're not you're not wrong on that. And the difference between this and two years ago is, you know, they start again. And, and, and Lamona said he considered Ginn an ace, and that's fine, you know, although Ginn wasn't pitching well at that time. The difference to me from that two years ago is that you felt confidence in Plumlee. So yes. you knew that game three you had somebody you could throw out there that if you were in a situation to close it out, you felt good about that. If we do what you're saying, and then you go McLeod, you, you're going to go Bednar game two in that situation. Who are you throwing game three in a closeout situation? That's where I don't have con- I have more confidence in Fristo or Cade Smith or whoever to be able to beat Samford than I do in those guys to be able to beat potentially, you know, VCU or Campbell in a, a, a closeout game. Well, here's the deal on that. I mean, that you're essentially working like a regular Sunday. If everything works out perfectly, mm-hmm. you're working like a regular weekend rotation. And you get those first two wins like you did, uh, you know, against Alabama. Um, Christian McLeod came out, Will Bednar came out, and right. then you just pieced it together, and you had Houston, Jackson Fristo threw a couple innings, Houston Harding pitched four or five innings or whatever mm-hmm. it was, six, whatever it was he did. Um, and you just pieced it together in that last game. Mm-hmm. So if everything goes right, then you have a, a quality start from, from Christian McLeod, a quality start from Will Bednar, and you are playing with house money yeah. on, that, on those final two games against teams that – quite frankly, don't have the depth that you do at pitching. It's true. Um, and, and I don't know what these offenses uh, – are these offenses going to be smashing the ball all weekend where State is in, you know, in trouble if they can't get uh, some offense, uh, uh, you know, more than five or six runs? I don't know. But I feel better about Mississippi State's third or fourth starter than I do about Campbell or VCU. Absolutely. That, that, that is the case. I just – just for me, I, I feel I, I've never gotten away from this, and it goes back honestly to Ron Polk in 2002, Paul Mahalem. starting Paul Mahalem against a, a, an outmatched Middle Tennessee State team, and not having him available to pitch against North Carolina. It, it cost State the, 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 the regional, in my opinion, it cost State a chance to go to Omaha. And we talked about that a little bit on the on the first show. You know, State has been on the opposite end of yeah. it. You know, they've they pitched uh, they pitched Dakota Hudson um, against. Uh, southeastern Missouri in 2016. I remember a lot of people were really nervous about that, but southeastern Missouri had the nation's leader in strikeouts. He was a guy that was mm-hmm. throwing gas from the left side, yeah. if I remember correctly. So you had to come out in that ball game and win that ball game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they go up against I think I think it was South Alabama in the Southern Miss Regional mm-hmm. uh, in 2017 when they just had no pitching yeah. and they saved. If I remember correctly, they saved Connor Pilkington. Yeah. And they lost that first game. Yeah, and they ended up work. It ended up working itself out. Right. But it's just it's one of those things where you just kind of throw a dart at a map and see. There, there's some percentages involved. You know, what is my percentage of winning this game with pitcher A versus pitcher B, and then the same with game two. I think if you're, and I'm gonna, I may have to stop Scott Steiner this a little bit, but <laughs> if I'm saying in game one against Samford, you know, I've got a 60 percent chance of winning with Kate Smith versus an 80 percent chance with Christian McLeod. But then I go to look ahead to game three, and I'm like, what are my odds there with Bednar versus Cade Smith against yeah. the two seed? 
that's where you have to play these percentages. So it's a difficult decision, and there, there can be a wrong answer and there can be a right answer, but you can also make the right decision and it not work out sort of what you just said a minute ago. So, I'm kind of I'm of the opinion of normally um, I'm of the opinion if you're playing the four seed and it's a Southern, mm-hmm. don't waste your, your top arm. Yeah. But in this in this instance, when you've been kind of shaky with with your third guy, and I mean you've just been you've been pretty good for um, the, the the first two days, mm-hmm. usually on a weekend. I, I think you just have a lot more trust. Just go get those first two games, if if at all possible. Go get the first two wins, and then worry about the next one. You 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 want to lock up those first two wins and not have to fight from behind. You get what I'm saying? It, yeah. I, I've seen Mississippi State fight from behind on two different instances. It's incredibly hard to do, and that took two special runs for them to do. And, you know, against Southern Miss in 2017, they had to have Jacob Billingsley go a complete game in a doubleheader to give themselves an opportunity because they had absolutely no chance. If he would have come out in the fourth or fifth inning, they wouldn't have won that regional. Right. Uh, but he he got that middle win for them um, against South Alabama or Southern Miss, whoever that was, to get them to the championship game. And then it was all it was it was all on at that point. Yeah. And then the next year at Florida State, kind of the same deal for Mississippi State. They just had to battle back and find a way. Luckily, the bats came alive and they were able to score a lot of runs. They could just kind of piece it together bullpen wise. But I just feel like you need to go get those first two wins this weekend. And then worry about whatever on uh, Sunday. And then if you make it to the Super, you got your guys uh, on the regular rest and ready to go. Of all the pitchers on the staff, we haven't mentioned the guy who's probably the most important one. That's Landon Sims. And of course, your best case scenario is not using him at all. It, well, let me ask you a question. Not not using him at all is not, not what I meant to say. But is it better for State to use Sims for a couple innings on Friday, and then he's available for Sunday? Or is it better that you know you may have to use him on Saturday and then push him one, just back-to-back days? State hasn't pitched – they've pitched Sims twice on a weekend, twice this year. Yeah. But they have not pitched him back-to-back days, have they? I don't believe so. I'm trying so. to think. I know I they didn't against they Ole Miss. He pitched, he pitched against Alabama twice, and yeah. that was on Friday and Sunday. Yeah. Or Thursday and Saturday. Yeah. And then he pitched against South Carolina. Was it South Carolina? No, it was Ole Miss. Ole Miss, Friday yeah. and Sunday. Friday, so he's never gone back-to-back uh, days. No, I, I think ideally you want him to pitch that Friday night game and then possibly Sunday close it out right. too, if you're going to pitch him twice. yeah. But I also wonder, at, at what point do you start letting him loose a little more? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know how he comes back from getting in those pri- high-pressure situations. Mm-hmm. Um but at what point do you start using him a little more? He, he's not a Kevin Copps. No. Because he, he's just – he's a he's, he's got more velocity. He's, he, he's a lot more max effort than that, and people yeah. just haven't been able to understand that. Kevin Copps is throwing a cut fastball, and, and you know, his fastball is around 91, 92. He's not a max velocity guy, and he's not a max effort guy. He he throws a little more loose than, than Landon Sims. Landon Sims has to get juiced up and go out there and get um, six outs or, or three outs. Right. So – but I, I'm wondering, like, at what point do you kind of let him off a leash a little bit and let I him pitch a little? I would be willing more? to say that if you go to Sunday and State's up one in the seventh, you probably see Landon. Sims. Yeah, I, I don't think we're going to see anything 
anymore like we saw and how he was managed in the in the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. You know, if he pitched on Friday night, he's not pitching Saturday. Right. It, that I think all bets are off at this point. If they need to get an out, yeah. I think he's going to pitch. Is on, there a on, scenario you think he could pitch all three days then if he just has to pitch yeah, one inning? Yeah. I, 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 I don't think they're going to just it try to like overuse they, him. Yeah. But if he throws 20 pitches on Friday – I don't think that they're going to just say, okay, he's done. It's almost you know? like instead of a daze, you're like, he's got 60 pitches to give us this weekend. Yeah. So however, if he gives us 20 on Friday, we've got 40 more to work with, something like that. Uh, that, that would be interesting. And I think I think Lamonis managed Sims and the rest of the staff, quite frankly, to get to this point. He's like, I don't have to overwork anybody. I don't have to throw anybody 115, 120 pitches. I don't have to throw uh, Landon Sims every night of the week. I can I can get by with this. And and you got, I mean you got to be in the number seven seed doing that. My guess is it might have cost MSU a few wins in the regular season. Maybe they'd be the four seed or the five seed. But it, it, in the reality, that doesn't mean anything. What matters now is State has a really fresh pitching staff going into po- to postseason play. Last question, you know, obviously SEC teams know what Duty Noble is like, and your other Power Five conferences they play big in front of big crowds, especially the ACC teams, some of your Big Twelve teams. How much does playing at Duty Noble Field... Now, Sanford might be a little different because they've been here. Mm -hmm. But for VCU and Campbell, they've never seen anything like what they're going to walk into this weekend. No, I think it's huge. And that's another reason why I think this was a good draw for Mississippi State. And, you know, again, I'm not not saying that you should be coming into this weekend and you're already, you know, booking a hotel for next weekend thinking you're going to play Notre Dame. I, I think this is going to be a battle for Mississippi State. But I just feel like... Going from 50 fans to 15,000 is a big deal. Um, and, you know, for some teams, they relish that. They love getting in that kind of atmosphere. And we've seen Mississippi State get kind of eaten up by it this year against Arkansas. I, I thought they kind of – I thought I thought that big atmosphere kind of got to them. Uh, that first weekend that they were able to host a big weekend against Arkansas. And mm-hmm. Arkansas – has a, had a group of veteran players, yeah. a lot of veteran guys that had been in that situation before, and it didn't bother them at all. And they came in here and just played loose and and uh, had a big weekend. You know, we've seen Arizona. Arizona had didn't play in front of a big crowd, but they came down here and won that 2016 Super Regional. Just took over. You know, uh, Mississippi State in those two games. Stanford, I thought, kind of fell apart against yeah. it. Yeah. So you don't know how teams are going to react to it. It's going to be interesting to see how these teams react to it. Um, Having that atmosphere in the seventh inning with a one-run lead and, mm-hmm. and you walk the first batter and, and Tanner Allen comes up to the plate and yeah. the dude starts to wake up a little bit, yeah. how are they going to react to that when they bring in a bullpen arm that hasn't been in that situation before and the crowd's on their feet? That's going to be – you know, they might come out and get a, a couple of runs early in the game. When we start getting late into the ball game, into the bullpen, and the crowd gets alive – that's when you're going to know whether or not those teams can handle this kind of situation. That's that's why it's so important for Mississippi State to host these postseason games. I thought Richard made a good point a few weeks ago on Sports Talk Mississippi. He said, you know, like LSU and Texas A&M when they were good, it felt like when their crowd got excited, what it did was sort of a negative thing. What I mean is it took the other team out of its game. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Duty Noble, it, it raises Mississippi State up. It's not so much that the other teams get flustered; it's that State starts playing better. Yeah, you know, I mean, you go back and watch the the, the game against the Ole Miss, uh, the Ole Miss weekend, where in that that final uh, in the seventh inning, I guess, 
I mean, Ole Miss was making some good pitches here and there, but State just made made the plays. Yeah, and I, that's I, I agree with that. So I agree with you that these teams in this atmosphere are at a disadvantage. Yeah, there's going to be big crowds. There's no question uh, about that. Game one for Mississippi State, two o'clock p.m. on Friday. I will not be in the stadium for that one. Uh, Robbie Falk, oh, no. here. I got to got to be on the show. Shows on the show. Show always takes precedence for me. But I'll be there on Saturday. Game uh, State, if they win, plays at 7 p.m. on Saturday. If they lose, it's a 2 p.m. game. And those times also hold for losers bracket, winners bracket on Sunday. Should there be a, a game seven, that would be on Monday. Uh, can we talk about this the before we move on? Can we yeah. talk about the we did a little bit, but the selection? Sure. Um, I was I was really impressed with them not getting too head over heels about these conference tournaments. I think uh, we learned that the SEC tournament is utterly meaningless yes. unless you are a team that needs to win the tournament to get there. Tennessee probably helped themselves a little. They weren't going to be the three seed. I don't know how much they helped themselves. They got the toughest regional. But by and large, State was between 7 and 8 when they went, and that's what they ended up. Ole Miss was around 11 or 12. That's what they ended up. And see, uh, that's what, you know, a lot of times I try to be level-headed on this stuff, but I'm human just like anybody else. I get caught up in the fact that Mississippi State isn't playing well or uh, or they haven't been playing well for a couple of weeks. But at the end of the day, this is a 55-game season. Right. And you cannot take every single game like it's the last. Yeah. Um, and and Mississippi State won 40 ball games in the regular season. I go back to what I said to Richard on, on uh, Sports Talk uh, last week. It's just hard for me to believe that Mississippi State would not be a national seed with 40 regular season wins and 20 SEC wins. That's That hasn't been done very often in Starville. So I think what the committee did is they, they looked at that and said, you know, in, in the midst of a season where the SEC is really, really strong, Mississippi State won 20 ball games. they deserve to be here. You know, they might not have played very well in the last three weeks, but they did sweep Alabama at the end of the regular season, so it's not like they stacked three straight weeks. Uh, so I, I thought that was a great job by the committee. You know, I, I know there's a lot of Ole Miss fans upset about Mississippi State's draw, but again, I mean, you go look at. Uh, I've seen some people throw up those RPIs. I mean, these are these are not scrub teams. Uh, Florida State's good this year, but this isn't the Florida State team that we've seen in the past. Southern Miss is the number three team in the Conference USA. They're they're a good team, but I mean, it, it's not like you're you're talking about the all time. You know, screw job here. Yeah. I mean, every everybody thought Southern Miss was going to end up in Oxford, yeah. and Ole Miss was going to get a, another ACC team too. Yeah. So, I, Ole Miss screwed Ole Miss. <laughs> there you go. No, uh, apparently John Cohen did because John Cohen apparently is apparently just he walked into the com- committee meeting with a gun and said, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a cap in everybody in here if I don't get my way." I never knew that. John Cohen was so powerful. I mean, you talk to some people in in this fan base, and they think he's absolutely inept. But the Ole Miss fan base thinks that he is thinks just controlling. He's just pulling the strings the of the NCAA master. committee. So, uh, but I, you know, I looked at this bracket, and I think it's, it's, I think it's a pretty good bracket. I mean, Texas Tech getting the eight over Notre Dame. That just shows me that the committee has absolutely no faith. In the ACC, yeah, as well they shouldn't. I don't think. And the, the ACC, ACC is, just, is overrated. And they gave Texas Tech the benefit of the doubt. I agree. Which they should. I think Texas Tech's a top ten team. I agree. 
All right, let's move on over, and we'll talk a little football recruiting here. That's brought to you by our good friends over at Welcome Home Beef. Hopefully you took advantage of that great sale they had going on all week. If you haven't, well, it's never too late to try Welcome Home Beef. They're always there for you. They can place a special order for you. They'll ship. You can always pick it up here in Starkville, especially for this particular weekend. You definitely want to do that. Also, a lot of restaurants around the state are picking up Welcome Home Beef. They're now at Papito's Grill over there in the uh, the Ridgeland-Madison area. I'm not exactly sure where that is, but I know that's the name of the restaurant. They're at Uno Moss up there in Oxford. Uh, a lot of different restaurants are picking up Welcome Home Beef. So if you go to these places, you're like, man, this steak tastes better than the last time I was here. Now you know why. It's Welcome Home Beef that they're cooking up. That can be you too as well. So call them today at 662-268-8148 or visit them online at welcomehomebeef.com. Welcome Home Beef. It just tastes good. I got a complaint about that, by the way. Oh, really? Because Joel emphasized like a, a different word than you. Well, I, just, I didn't want to. People were like, I don't know. I don't know what just happened. Shaking them up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we're shaking them up. I like it, though. You go, you, you be you. You well, don't worry about I don't even. Times. I, I feel like we need to, I need to create my own identity. I agree with that, 100%. So, but I don't know how. Just being yourself is the only way. I guess so. Something no. will happen organically and we'll figure it out. Exactly. So, let's talk about two brothers. One of, uh, Robbie and I's favorite places to stop here in Starkville. You never have to ask us twice if you want to go to Two Brothers. And this weekend, you should definitely make a trip up there as well. You don't want to miss out on some of the great specials they'll be running. They've usually got live music out there on the weekends, too, so a good time to be had. Great food, great times at Two Brothers right there in the heart of the Cotton District, 621 University Drive. Smoked Southern Soul Food at Two Brothers Smoked Meats. Advantage Business Systems has got you taken care of on two fronts. They've got you taken care of with a variety of services, of products, of technology upgrades that your office needs, and they back all of that up with customer service that's second to none. They're a local business first and foremost. They're Mississippi-made. They are, Oh, I can't say that, though. Mississippi-made is somebody else's slogan. Let's get that out. I'm Mississippi sorry. State slogan. Is it? Pretty much. Is it? No, I think it's Ole Misses, but I, I, I don't, I don't want to go down that road, though. That was a lie. Okay, I know. Yeah, we're not we're not going to come to the sip either. They had here. Mississippi made, and they had like Demarcus Lodge. Oh, I know. A, 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 or some sixteen percent of their roster was from Mississippi. Uh, yeah. So well, all of Advantage Business Systems roster is from Mississippi. So you got nothing to worry about there. Call them today and put them to work for you, like they've been helping out dozens, hundreds, thousands of other businesses in this state. That number is 601-362-9192 or visit them online at absms.com. You'll find out how Advantage Business Systems helps your business do business. Robbie, obviously over there on 24-7 Sports, you know what drives the engine is recruiting, and this is where we get started because recruiting is back. The dead period ends today. Coaches can start welcoming prospects back to campus, and this weekend, on top of MSU having this huge atmosphere for baseball, the top do- is it the top dog camp still? Yes. Okay. The top dog camp is this weekend. Hundreds of prospects will be on campus. Nearly all of the current commits and a lot of state's big-time targets. Robbie, it can't help but help to have that kind of, of atmosphere on campus. Think about, you know, I know Alabama and Auburn are going to end up with higher-rated classes, LSU. But this weekend, state offers these recruits something that they, those schools don't have. They're going to offer an incredible on-campus atmosphere you got to think MSU is going to take advantage of that. I'll be shocked if not one person gets caught up in it and makes a commitment. Yeah, it, it could happen, you know. And it's there. There's no, there's no buzz right now around that. But um, it, I, I'm not going to uh, say that it won't happen. I mean, you go back to the Dan Mullen days whenever they would have this camp, and it was Big Dog Camp back then, and that was the event 
of the summer for Dan Mullen. And it was really the event of the year, if we're being honest, because how Dan Mullen would, would recruit is get everybody stockpiled in the summer and then just try to hold on to them uh, by the end of the year. Um, the last two staffs have approached it a little bit differently. We haven't been able to see Leach do this yet because this is his first uh, summer camp circuit. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to see how this works for him. But Joe Moorhead, um, you know, they had like a little barbecue thing and they went to the stadium and stuff and took pictures. But it wasn't like the, the big combine event that Dan Mullen had. So I'm really interested to see how this plays out for, for Leach and company. It's crazy that the staff has been here for over a year and this is the first camp we're going to be able to see and, and kind of see how they yeah. do And these, these guys have not been able to evaluate anybody in person. This is, the, this is the first day that they have been able to evaluate a player in person since they've been at Mississippi State. However many signees they'd had last year, the current coaching staff, maybe outside of Tony Hughes, Hughes might have seen some of them as juniors, Yeah, but none of those guys have seen those guys play in person, and they, they, they have had to just go off what they saw on film to bring them in. So, yeah, I, I can't imagine anybody's happier that things are changing than th- that group. Of course, that's coaches all across uh, the country. We just we mentioned it just a second ago. A lot of guys coming in, but like you said, nobody really on the the, the radar. There's not a lot of buzz around a particular guy. That being said, if I said state's going to get a commitment with this week, give me a couple, maybe three guys that you wouldn't be totally surprised if they just went ahead and pulled the trigger. The first thing that comes to my mind would be Stone Blanton. Yeah, you know, I, I could see I could see that. I I don't know what his timeline is, and you know, if you're plugged in over there at on our site. Um, which you should be. Yeah, which everybody should. You're going to have the lowdown because there's there's about three or four guys that are on top of this football recruiting. I don't cover it as much as they do at this point because I'm we have so many people doing that. I'm filtering off and doing other things. But I'm following those guys every day, and Paul and Steve, and those guys do a great job of making sure everybody's on, on top of things. But so far, I mean, they've, they've gotten a, a stronghold, I feel like, on some Mississippi kids. That we've seen, especially in the past few weeks, Trent Singleton was the last guy to commit. I thought that was a big pickup from Raymond, the de- the defensive back. Uh, you know, they've got um, Janoris Hobson who committed a while yeah. back, and um, Wesley Miller from Heritage, the yeah. def- another defensive back, Khalid Moore, who I, I saw in the state championship game last Good year player. in Poplarville. Yeah, um, Jacarius Clayton is a guy we don't talk about a lot because he yeah. committed way back to Joe Moorhead, yeah. and he's turning into a really good prospect, and I feel like that was a good uh, a good pickup for Mississippi State to go ahead and get him on board. So having those Mississippi guys in place, um, it, it can only help this this class, I think, because this is a very, very good in-state class. Last year was kind of the um, anomaly for a Mississippi class. Yeah. It, it, was, it, was, it was really down, to be honest with you, especially on the defensive line. I was kind of surprised, but – this is a class that Mississippi State needs needs to start getting some some big time talent in, so they can really kind of build towards the end of the year. And I think getting a guy like Stone Blanton would be huge. I, I don't know if he's ready to pull the trigger just yet, but maybe a guy like Don Terry Russell is. Um, his brother is already on campus. He's been here a hundred times. Um, you know, he might be ready to go. We'll see on Stone Blanton. You still got some some leans out there like Xavier Harris. I, I don't. I, that's going to be a battle, I think, with LSU and Alabama, maybe Ole Miss too. Um, and, I, and and State's going to have to battle for Kamari Rogers, who's one of the top defensive backs. I, in I was just about to say, you look at the the top ten in the state. State's doing really well, uh, four through ten. 
Mm-hmm. You know, they don't. They, you know, Ole Miss has got two guys in there: Marcus Marquez Dorch, uh, who of course his recruitment is still open down there at George County. We all know how that rolls. Uh, and then you've got uh, Larry Simmons, who's at eleven. But when you look at the at four through ten, you've got Harris, Blanton, Dontari Russell, Clayton Hurst, and Moss. All of those guys, the crystal ball is leaning towards Mississippi State. But then the top three guys in the state, it feels like state. State's definitely on the outside with Branson Robinson. That's not going to happen. No. Won a fantastic running back, but he is a traditional college running back. He wants no part of an air raid system. He Mark, looks like Nick Chubb to me. Just go ahead and the, the commit body, to the right. G. Yeah, that's probably where he's going to end up. Jaheim Otis at number three, obviously already committed to Alabama. Uh, doesn't feel like there's going to be a lot of wiggle room there uh, for him. And then you have Kamari Rogers, who I think State, when he decommitted from LSU, felt pretty good about, but now... They feel like they're maybe running second or third in that race. Does State have a chance to get any of the top three, in your opinion? Rodgers would be the only guy. Yeah. Um, and that's just – I don't really know where his where his recruitment is going. Um, you know, obviously, I, I don't talk to these kids a whole lot. I talked to Xavier Harris some. Um, I talked to him back during basketball season. And I talked, I've, I've talked to, to Stone Blanton as well but uh, and Dakota Jordan, uh, covering them in baseball. But – Everything I've heard about Kamari Rogers is like you said. Right after he decommitted from LSU, is all signs pointing to Starville, and then all of a sudden, you know, Ole Miss is involved a little bit. Miami is in there, and you know, he's not talking about Mississippi State as much. So, I don't know what is going to happen with him. That's one of those that you're probably going to have some ups and downs all the way to signing day, and he might even be a signing day decision. Um, he. he he just seems like one of those guys that's just going to give you a headache yeah. uh, in December. We'll see how that goes. So then I said, keep an eye on recruiting this weekend for sure, and obviously over there at 24-7, you know, that's the place to be. They'll have the, uh, I'm sure they'll have the big thread they have for all of these camps and as stuff happens and guys show up. And Man, Paul, I still think about that 2015. Um, incredible day. That was just unbelievable. Um, that was my second year. I, th- I guess it was, 20, it was 2014. Um, yeah. And the day started with uh, Justin Johnson from Hoover committing. Yeah. Uh, while he was in Hoover, yes. he didn't even come. Right. But I think six commitments that day, yeah, or something like yeah, that. Six or seven commitments, and the biggest news wasn't a commitment; it was a Leo commitment. Lewis. It's Leo Lewis. The, away from the way that night transpired, I mean, we were all in the seal building when all that stuff was happening, yeah. watching it all unfold. Yeah. It was just insane. I mean, yeah. every five minutes we're running to our computers to post something. It set an unfair standard, too. Yes. Because now people see that this camp is happening, and they expect four or five commitments. Yeah. In reality, we're talking I – mean, State might not even get one. And again, that, that, was, one. That's, that was what Mullen wanted to do. You know, yeah. Ole Miss built everything to their official visit weekend yeah. in February. Mississippi State – Checking out boys in the library. I, I know how it goes. I won't comment on that, but <laughs> Mississippi State built everything in the summer, yeah. and then – you have twenty something commitments, and then you yeah. try to hold on. You hold to on to what you got, so, and pick off who you can at the end. And and it's kind of playing out that way with this class. You yeah. know, there's Ole Miss doesn't have a whole lot of guys yeah. committed, so I don't know. It, it still should be fun to just see kids interacting with coaches and uh, getting to work out at camp well, and all that back stuff to again. Normal. Yeah, I mean, it's just doing. It's, it's a process to get back to normal. And, and the regional is going to be awesome too. Yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely. That's why I'm, I'm on the Blanton train because I think he's already committed for baseball. He's going to see that atmosphere and he's going to be like, I, I, I want to be here. Yeah, I think that's, I, I've, I've, that's my thought process there. We'll, well see. I think everybody just everybody pretty much knows where he's going to end up. I think I mean, so, but you just don't ever know until it's done. That's so. right. 
All right, uh, tomorrow's show, Robbie dives into the rumblings for the first ever time. Go ahead and get our questions in to us. We will start uh, answering those on tomorrow's show. And then for Thursday, we'll go ahead and look a, a lot more ahead to baseball. We'll sort of break down this region even further. But here's some good news. I look today, Robbie. We are 13 weeks away from the start of football season, which means it is time, my friend, to start up with some SEC previews. Next week, we'll start with opponent previews. So you get to pick. That's why I always let you guys, I let my co-host have the pick. You can pick any team you want to preview tomorrow, except for State or Ole Miss. Okay. In the SEC, who do you want to who do you want to talk about? Uh, let's go with Arkansas. We will preview the Arkansas Razorbacks on Thursday. No idea show. why I picked Arkansas. Big Sam Pittman fan, I guess. Yes, I sir. Know. Let's let's talk about the Hogs. We'll call the Hogs on Thursday's Thunder and Lightning. Until then, for Robbie Falk, I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.